welcome to another episode of Activated, the Future of Content. This is your boy, OG Baca, a.k.a. the Pod Pipey. Poppy. You know what? I'm just not going to get it right today. It's been a while since you guys have heard from me. <laughs> I can't get that off. But, um, you know, I'm happy to be back. You know, we're uh, back with Activated, Candor Labs, Moss and I. We're ready to uh, have some great conversations with some, uh, you know, great creatives out here in D.C. And, you know, today's guest is someone that, you know, We've been working with for a very long time, but I'm finally able to have like a creative conversation with this man. Uh, you know, he's put out great music. You know, he's been a great client to work for. And now he has, you know, new content that he's sharing with the audience and, you know, a new perspective that we definitely want to check out today. I'm proud to have on our uh, episode of Activated today, uh, Mr. Mark Toure. What's going on, bro? Hey, what's happening, man? Thank you again for having me on, man. I, I really appreciate it. No, this is really dope. You know, um, when we were introduced, you know, our listeners will kind of know this name um, a lot, but, you know, Mr. Marcus Dowling uh, introduced us. You know, yep, shout out to Marcus. Town. Yeah, shout out to Marcus, uh, Mr. Cool Guy around town. Um, you know, he introduced us, you know, introduced us to, you know, your music, your platform, and, you know, really what you're about. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot at Candor, but, you know, we're really into, you know, investing in creatives that are trying to make a change and investing sure. in creatives that, you know, really have something to say uh and are putting things out here and so you know being introduced to you know your music in 1915 and now dear america you know definitely you know want to talk to you about you know all of those things that feed that perspective so you know let's uh start with our audience you know getting to familiar with you you know how would you tell us a little bit about yourself you know where you're from what do you do and you know kind of what brought you here today cool uh so yeah, uh, my name is Mark Saray. Uh I'm a hip hop artist, um, born uh, in Washington D.C. and one of the few natives, and uh, raised just outside the city in uh, Bethesda, Maryland. Um, and um, I grew up, you know, in a family of avid music lovers, collectors, and uh, musicians. My grandmother was a concert pianist, and my dad is a huge music head. This is actually uh, his music collection uh, that is the background for my set here tonight. Um, and, um, yeah, I, um, when I'm not doing music, I work as a therapist for children with autism. Um, so I'm all about, you know, helping others and, you know, educating. And I think that is reflected a bit in, in the music that I make as well. That's dope. That's dope. So let's talk about like the musical influences a little bit. Like you sure. said that your grandmother was a concert pianist and yeah. it looks like in the background, I see a lot of, um, like funk and jazz uh from your pops so like how did that like transition into you doing hip-hop like what here's a question for you was hip-hop like the ah turn that down or was it like something that was embraced in your household like how did oh you, definitely like, embrace definitely embrace i nice. mean even even like so my grandmother you know coming from like being a concert pianist like doing like on the classical sort of circuit she had early um onset arthritis and you know she wasn't able to do like the chords you know um, up and down the keyboard so she switched up to being a jazz pianist because um, mm -hmm. you have a little bit more mobility and you know they say you know if you make a mistake in jazz you just repeat it three times and it's part of the melody right. um, so it was a little easier for her to do so she you know very quickly became more on the side of like the jazz and the funk and sort of the style my dad was huge um listening to all that sun raw you know coltrane mm -hmm. um he actually was listening to hip-hop before i was born actually he was like listening to public enemy and grandmaster flash so um hip-hop was very much embraced in my household like nwa even um rage against the machine we actually we went to uh, the prophets of rage concert in 2016 which had um rage against the machine 
reunited without Zach De La Rocha, but with Public Enemy and Be Real from Cypress Hill. So uh, he's very much, uh, you know, a hip hop head when it comes to hip hop that has a, you know, a relevant sort of meaningful content to it, you know? Mm -hmm. No, I dig that. That's, you know, that's awesome that you, uh, you know, got that support and had like that rooted musical influence in your family, Um, especially what sounds like a lot of, you know, different influences that lead to kind of, you know, the music that you make today. You mentioned like Public Enemy and NWA and, you know, really hip hop artists that, you know, like, not to sound like an old head or something, but it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, it was really about something or, you know, we talk about the times or, you know, what was really going on in communities. And I've noticed that in, you know, the music that you put out, um, it's kind of like always been ingrained. Were you kind of always, you know, set out to make music with like a message or what did you always, did you do like the play songs and party songs at one point? Like, how did you like matriculate into it? Yeah, I mean, I think I think I kind of always kind of had that in the back of my mind. Like I wanted to sort of like, you know, have a song that's like actually about something like content that's like relevant. Because for me is like as a listener, like that was always what stuck out to me. You know, when I would listen to, you know, artists like the songs like would be really cool. And I love the wordplay and all that. But the, the storytelling songs or the songs mm-hmm. that really had a message to it. Those are the songs that like maybe want to replay, you know, like Stand By um, Eminem or you know like dance with the devil by immortal technique like the twists and the turns of the story like really is what is like uh exhilarating for a listener at least in my experience so having that into you know the sort of algorithm when i write my own music is very important um but i also make sort of you know like just like regular sort of songs that are just heavy on the boom bap and the sort of lyrics you know and you know not necessarily about anything in particular but lyrical prowess and stuff you know i dig it when did you, um, at what age or at what time did you start taking, like, you know, your rap career seriously? Like, you know, when was when did you start first breaking out? So I think, um, you know, I was always big into rap, but I didn't really start taking it seriously until I, like, the senior year of high school. That's when I really started, like, linked up with a couple of friends who were into, like, freestyling, and we started freestyling a bit. And then from there, it became, like, writing verses and then showing everyone you know the verses that i've written and then actually like writing full-on songs and then from there it just became like once i'd written one i like wanted to like rewrite it and make it better or write about different topics and you know about the same time i just connected um when i had a bunch of songs written i ended up connecting with a good friend of mine kayla nanake who just opened up his studio um and sort of working with him and uh you know that was around i want to say like 2011 2010 so i guess okay you know a year or two after high school um and sort of just connected and started working on on making things happen then dope man that you you're actually been in the game damn near 10 years now so you you've like been uh that's a while uh what was the first album what was the first mixtape what was the first like uh you know what was it called Oh, well, the first, well, I put out uh, a few singles. Um, honestly, I put out, um, I had a project all written and I just sat on it and I, I kind of, this was around the time when I decided that I really wanted to put out stuff that actually had more of a message driven thing, mm-hmm. uh, message mm-hmm. behind it. So I actually didn't put that project out and I still, that's something where, you know, all the beats and everything I'm going to, you know, maybe write to a, at another point in time, but yeah. I just kind of sat on that project and instead, um, a couple months later, I put out 1915, which okay. sort of became the the template and the and we really had some big successes with that song. So um, that sort of became the template of the music that I wanted to make. I sort of had a moment where I just like re sort of reinvented myself a little bit and and 
just change positions on what I wanted to put out. No, that's really dope. And so, um, you know, let's talk about 1915 because, you know, that was my introduction to your work. And, um, you know, as I said before, what instantly struck me was just like, you know, the subject matter and kind of the storytelling that went along with it. You know, uh, to be honest with you, it was the first time that I had heard, you know, about the Armenian genocide. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, tell me about um, 1915, its influence, kind of its impact on you sure. and kind of what drove you to writing the song. Definitely. So uh, 1915 um, was the first single that we released um, off my most recent album, uh, Fresh Air. Um, and we released that way ahead of before we released the album, before the album was even done. And the reason we did that was it was the 100th anniversary of the Armenian Genocide uh, when we released it back in 2015, uh, which is what the song is about. Um, it's about um, the Armenian Genocide, which committed, which was committed by the Ottoman Empire, um, now modern day Turkey, um, against uh, mostly Armenians, but also Greeks, Assyrians and other minority groups. Um, and 1.5 million Armenians died. Uh, my great-grandmother and grandfather survived the genocide with the only two members of their family to make it out, came to America as refugees. And, you know, thankfully, you know, because of that, I'm here um, to tell their story, um, but also the story of the other Armenians who, who didn't make it out. Um, and also, you know, Turkey's been denying this for 105, going on 106 years yeah. now. You know, they edit the internet in their country. You know, they teach false curriculum in their schools. So Turkish citizens really don't have access to learn about this unless they're out and about and traveling. Um, and um, so they've really been able to maintain it for a long time. But with the internet coming out, you know, and this is a great way to get the message out there um, through music as, a, as an art form, people can identify with it. Um, so um, that's really what the song is about. Um, and that's been um, used in a bunch of schools and um, mm -hmm. to educate, which is perfect. That's one of the main reasons I, I put that song out. Um, so I'm very blessed with the uh, success and you know, reception that it's had. Yeah, that's really awesome. Um, you know, and the reception and the success, um, you know, is really dope. I mean, you've even gone to NPR and performed it uh, as a tiny desk. Yeah, yeah. I uh, actually I performed uh, my record uh, Just Kids um, for a tiny desk there, but I did. I was able to perform uh, 1915 uh, outside the White House twice um, and in Times Square and at the, actually at the March for Justice in L.A., uh, which was pretty cool. Um, these are all rallies that um, commemorate the Armenian genocide every year and sort of advocate mm -hmm. for, for change um, and recognition. Um, pretty much every April 24th all around the world, uh, Armenians sort of commemorate the genocide. Have you, uh, you know, had like success with the song, you know, outside of the United States or have you like heard feedback about uh, the song from outside the United States? Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things um, that we were actually able to do is the song kind of when we put out the uh, music video before it, it actually caught on and went pretty viral. Um, we were able to rack up almost a million collective views on social media. Um, and it has been covered um, by publications such as HuffPost, as well as Voice of America on the Armenian channel, and then some Armenian news networks. Um, mm -hmm. So we've actually, um, you know, been on, you know, the Armenian news and everything there. So I do have a, a good portion of my fan base is actually based out of Armenia, um, even though I haven't been yet. And I would, that's something that, you know, I had plans to go this, uh, this fall, but unfortunately, COVID has yeah. sort of, you know, we're just waiting for things to die down when things become safe again. But um, yeah, that's definitely, you know, a stop for sure. No, that's, that's awesome. And so let's talk about Dear America, um, you know, because as I mentioned, you know, earlier in our podcast that, you know, uh, 1915 is uh, kind of the prequel 
to or the you know prelude to Dear America and kind of you know your perspective on you know how you're seeing things today and so what was the inspiration for Dear America uh, um well I mean Dear America is like so basically I you know with the platform that I and my team versatile entertainment were able to build with 1915 in terms of um making a song that you know was being used as a teaching tool in, in schools, high schools and colleges and becoming, you know, sort of a rallying cry in terms of activism, you know, and the message behind it. We really wanted to take that, which we've been able to accomplish, but it, look through something broader than just the lens of, you know, the Armenian genocide and become more into more of activism around the world. I mean, one of the main things was, you know, looking at the world through the lens of America and basically America's history of genocide, slavery, and oppression. Yeah. That's something where, you know, growing up, you know, my family came here, my grandfather, my great grandfather, or my grandmother, uh, my grandfather, my great grandmother came here as refugees, essentially, you know, with nothing. Um, but, you know, because of the pigment that they had was more or less white, we were given opportunities and able to succeed in ways that people of color were not. And even though I'm really, you know, a second generation American, my family has been able to assimilate in a way that a lot of people of color who have been here for decades, hundreds of years have not been able to and are still denied that. So that's something that I felt obligated to speak on. Um, and given the platform that I have and, and everything going on in the current events, I felt it's such a relevant message and uh, just needed to get that out there. You know, um, when you sent me the song, uh, man, it had to be, it was the end of July. And, you know, there, there's been, this summer has just been a multitude of just, you know, mm -hmm. uh, black trauma, around black trauma, upon political unrest, upon some kind of racial discourse. Yep. And, you know, to hear music like this in this time, it's representative of you know, the next steps that we need to take, you know, when you sure. hear a lot of music and it's like party music and it's like, you know, it, it was good to hear it when you could go outside and you could really engage. But, you know, for me, at least being in quarantine right now, it has been a time where it's like, you know, certain music just doesn't hit the same, you know, yeah. I don't necessarily want to hit, I don't want to like party all the time, you know, um, but your song and a lot of other songs that came out around this time, it was like, it was timely, it was definitely what I wanted to hear. Yeah. And it made you, you know, think about, you know, what can we do through this? And so I want to ask you about, you know, what do you think about like the power of music in that way? Like, how do you hope that Dear America in 1915 affects people and what do mm. they do after, you know, they hear the song? Well, I think it's, it, I, I hope that it's something that can be used as a tool to educate and empower people, you know, educate them yeah. on what is happening um, and the truth behind it. And then empower them to, you know, take a stand um, and make their voices heard. Um, and that's something like what we were talking about earlier, you know, with Grandmaster Flash and, you know, Public Enemy and NWA. Like, that's how hip-hop started. Yeah. Was, you know, things that they're talking about weren't being covered on the news. You know, it was, there was no one voicing that on, on the major networks. So hip-hop being a medium, you know, to, to educate the masses was what it was. You know, that, that's how hip-hop was in its root, and that's its founding. So I think, you know, now that we live in the climate that we're in, it's needed more than ever um, as a way to, to educate and uplift and, and, and find a direction. Yeah, uh, I love that. You know, 
I'm really into like film. You know, I love podcasts okay. and everything, but I'm cool. really into film and TV. And, you know, watching a lot of TV now, it's like in storytelling, I love the symbolism of, you know, just that seeing is better than telling, yeah. you know? And, you know, I think that we live in an age where like, you know, watching the news and even having fake news or people just want to be told everything to think. But sure. when you have music and you have art and you have things that are up for interpretation, you actually reveal a new truth or a new individual truth for like every person. So like every person's individual interpretation, as long as it kind of leads them along the path, your art actually like the art better helps them learn rather than you telling them like this was wrong or this is right or this yeah. is the way you should do it. They come exactly. into it on their own, um, which I think is really powerful because, you know, um, you know, you're t I'm a black man and, you know, you're Armenian and, and to hear from you that, you know, you acknowledged, you know, the pigment of your skin even though your family is, you know, are immigrants and they've had similar struggles, you know, from all over the world, but here it was different for you and it was different for your family. But to have that acknowledgement um, clearly comes through some form of art that you've interpreted or you've, you've like kind of seen. So tell me about that. Like yeah. what art or like what content or like what led you on that path to say like, you know, I have a role in this and I can actually use my art to like move forward. Like, were there any inspirational mm. content in that regard or was there anything like inspiring that kind of led you on that path? Um, I mean, I think I've, the way I've been raised is sort of just to always, you know, like, you know, appreciate what you have and understand yeah. what others don't have, you know, and the reasons behind that. And, you know, like if it's unjust, you know, to make a change. Um, I think one of the things that, you know, sort of stuck out to me um, was, my grandfather, when he came, when he had, you know, when he came here, you know, he came here as an immigrant, but he was very smart and he actually ended up going to MIT and becoming a rocket scientist wow. um, and working for the defense department. Um, so he like, he was a smart dude. Um, but, um, you know, when he wanted to buy a house just outside of the city in, in the suburbs of Bethesda back in the, must be the late forties, early fifties, um, he couldn't buy a house in like the really nice neighborhood, which is Kenwood. That was like just for like white, white people, like wasps, mm -hmm. essentially. Um, so he was kind of redlined a bit and he could only buy a neighborhood. The nicest neighborhood he could buy in was um, Somerset, which mm -hmm. was like where the sort of, you know, sort of semi-white people would buy back then. You know, people who yeah. were of Jewish descent, people who were Italian, people who are Armenian or Greek. Um, and then, you know, obviously, you know, black people couldn't buy there, you know, they were subjugated right. redlined to another neighborhood. So it's like, that's something that always stuck out to me is like, yeah, we were kind of persecuted against, but we didn't have it as bad as other people did. So yeah. that's always stuck out to me is like, we're, we are, we are common, you know, you know, people on this. So we have right. to understand, you know, um, the reason behind that and stand up for each other. You know, it's not about, you know, who has what or who did what. It's all about, you know, like understanding the un the unjust and and trying to solve that problem together. I love that, man. I love that. Um, you know, where do you think that, you know, speaking at as like people coming together, you know, where do you think we're heading? You know, we're we're kind of common we're using art to comment on the world. You know, do you think that we're heading uh in a redemptive you know, space? Do you think we're heading to, you know, or do we have like a little bit more of a bumpy road on the way? I mean, nowadays it's hard to say uh, with this <laughs> yeah. current administration, you know, you never really know what's ahead. Um, 
but I think I think it's a good thing that people are using art, you know, music, films, you know, as a way to sort of speak on a lot of these things. Because for a long time, the entertainment industry has just been, you know, sort of popcorns, you know, movies, yep. you know, popcorn sort of, you know, party songs, things that really just kind of have the same sort of vibe and go, sense, you know, genre sort of topics again and again from different artists, but again and again. So it's been sort of a, you know, a conversation that has never happened. Um, yeah. And now I think it's great that it's happening, you know, in these different art forms. Because um, America really has not reckoned with its past in a lot of ways. I mean, in a lot right. of ways, the Civil War never ended. You know, in a lot of ways, yeah. you know, you know, Grant, you know, um, you know, taking Lee's surrender at Appomattox, that was not the end. Like the North was basically like, all right, South, you know, we we beat you in terms of the war and you know military style, but you know, you're going to join the you know the states again and not promise not to succeed, but you know because state rights we're going to let you, you know, kind of yeah, conduct you, yourselves how you want right. down there. So you couldn't do slavery, but we're not going to really, you know, invade or do anything. And we're going to let you sort of do things like Jim Crow and all that's been going on for another hundred years. Civil rights didn't happen for a hundred years after the surrender. And still, you know, all the redlining and, you know, injustice is happening. We're still fighting the same battle. Um, and you look at what happened when we won um, World War II, um, you know, Look out Germany now, you know, we, we yeah. had a military sort of presence there. You know, we outlawed a lot of things, you know, we outlaw and, and the German government is, you know, moved on, accepted its past, whereas the South is still in a lot of ways still trying to fight this, you know, just right. in a different, different form. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that you say that, you know, in many ways the war hasn't ended because, um, you know, it just really seemed like it never really disappeared. And now, like just this week, we've seen, um, you know, this summer, we've seen people wanting to tear down Confederate monuments and, you know, taking away Confederate flags and everything. But then just this weekend, you see that, you know, people are parading through our cities, counter protesting against, yeah. you know, defund MPD or, you know, anything that, you know, police brutality with Confederate flags, with Trump Pence flags. And, mm -hmm. you know, with this, uh, you know, with that attitude of, you know, they're still fighting for, you know, can't say it's a foregone time in the United States, but definitely they're fighting for, um, you know, something that's not for everyone here. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that that that's kind of what the, the entire nation is, is reckoning with right now. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, there's a good, you know, percentage of, you know, those sort of supporters that want America to go back to when it was quote unquote great again, which was when it was great you know, to be a white person, you know, right. to be a white man specifically, you know, um, which, you know, is just not good for the country because not everyone is a white man. Yeah. The majority of us aren't white men. Yeah. <laughs> On top of that, it's like a lot of people, a lot of those people, you know, I don't know if you watch like a lot of the um, sort of interviews where a lot of reporters are asking them like, well, okay, so when was America great? A lot of them are saying, you know, the early 20th century, you know, it's like, oh, so when, you know, women were, you know, still not able to vote when colored people couldn't right. vote and segregation <laughs> was going on. It's like, it doesn't sound very great, you know? Right, right. It sounds, it sounds great for, it's, I guess it's great in the eye of the beholder and it's yeah. a good benefits. Um, I want to talk to you about your video for Dear America. Um, you know, it's a, uh, series of shots of protests of you know things going on 
uh, in the United States. Um, and I know in previous videos, you know, you've done like straight performance. Sure. Uh, so why did why did you choose to do the video in this way? Um, you know, for Dear America. So, um, you know, we wanted it to be um, pretty much something where it wasn't about me as an artist. Um, so I didn't want to be in it at all because I felt like, you know, this is such a, a song. This is, this is about all of us. Um, so, and we wanted it to, like following 1915, be used in schools. So we wanted to have the visuals be of um, historical footage. Um, and then for the topics that are talking about things that are happening now, actual like news footage and, you know, like the real life events um, paired with the lyrics on top of that. So um, that's pretty much the idea behind it um, is this all using historical footage, you know, from um, the Civil War, slavery, you know, segregation, you know, Jim Crow era and then everything happening now sort of in news footage being captured. Um, and that was uh, the sort of concept behind it. So um, edited, it, I edited that, edited it that oh, way yeah. in uh, my style. Um, and um, yeah, that's pretty much the story of it. Yeah, that's really dope. Um, very powerful video. Um, and you know the way it was. I actually didn't know that you edited it, which is actually really dope too. Yeah, because yeah. It, it, it follows the it's the story of what you're telling. You know, it goes from you know the past to now and asking the questions of you know, you know, what is going on and what is America uh, right now. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, your work outside of your rap career. Sure. Uh, because um, you're a child therapist? Yeah, so I, uh, I work as a, uh, a therapist doing uh, floor time therapy, uh, which is sort of a, a play therapy um, for uh, kids with special needs, primarily kids on the autism spectrum. How did you get into that? What was your inspiration for following that? Um, so I had a really good friend of mine growing up uh, whose sister was special needs. So like really early on, I, I sort of learned how to like play and, and interact with people who are sort of on, on the spectrum or have similar characteristics to people on the spectrum and um, sort of pull that engagement and that back and forth um, yeah. from them. Um, and then, um, in high school, you know, you have to do like your 80 hour sort of community service. So I actually interned with a school, uh, run by Shepherd Pratt, uh, which is one of the big, uh, you know, health, mental health sort of facilities. Um, and, um, the principal actually offered me a full-time job when I graduated high school. Um, wow. cause I guess she liked my, you know, what I was doing on the, during the internship. So I took that. Um, for about a couple of years and then built up my private client base. And then uh, one of the private clients I was working with actually uh, was going to the center, uh, the floor time center, which is um, a play therapy center run by um, the son of uh, Dr. Stanley Greenspan, who's a renowned um, uh, therapist who invented uh, the floor time therapy. Um, wow. So I've been working there now for the past five years. So um, I love it. And it's a great way to sort of help out. And, you know, it's very rewarding. Now that sounds like very rewarding work. And, um, you know, uh, our podcast listeners know that, you know, Bach is for the kids. <laughs> so, um, you know, we podcast with kids actually through Candor Labs. So we oh, dope, dope. have students uh, produce a podcast called Kids Can Be Big, uh, where, you know, we students are literally just talking about their lives in Washington, D.C. And, you know, dope. the last couple episodes have literally just been about quarantine and what's going on in Southeast D.C. and Berkeley gotcha. classes you know, but, um, you know, I'm a big fan of people who work with kids and, um, I can see that that's very passionate work for you. Um, we, 
I guess uh, one way that I'm, well, I guess I would ask is, you know, it does it cross over in your music career at at all, you know, in 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 terms of you know your full time job and your rap career, you know, the inspiration that's drawn between the two. Have you ever made songs about it, like, or had that ever crossed over? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some something in the works there, um, and then also, you know, it's sort of you know translated into projects with. Uh, 1915 and then now uh, Dear America you know those are being used mm -hmm. in schools we just got the word that uh, Dear America has been added to a, a college course at Montgomery College in Rockville um, so sort of transferring in the sense where um, working with sort of neurotypical sort of high school or college students you know being used in schools I've, I've gone and done uh, presentations at um, the German School of Washington and some public schools out in Virginia um, so, you know, speaking with, with kids and, you know, in that sort of capacity, educating about the different topics that the songs touch on. Um, so sort of that background as an educator and understanding, you know, um, sort of does come into play and, and, and help out with the, with the music and the particular sort of genre that I'm making. That's really dope, man. That's really cool. Uh, so what's next? What do you think is, you know, next for, you know, your rap career? Is there any new music coming? You know, what's, what do you think you yeah. for the rest of the year? Um, there's definitely some new music coming. Um, I'm actually um, going to be in the studio this Friday uh, with a really dope artist, Nico Femme, uh, working on sort of a really cool song, um, sort of talking about a little bit about what's going on in terms of like similar to like what Dear America touches on. Um, the next big thing really is we're, we're just, you know, we're pushing Dear America. We're trying to get that song, that visual out there um to help educate you know up especially with the upcoming election you know like this is a very relevant message yeah, and we really we really need this change um so getting people to understand to be aware making sure everyone is registered to vote making sure everyone does vote you know whether that's in person or by mail um and just you know hopefully making making something good and positive happen this november you know Nice, man. I, I definitely feel you on, you know, getting the information out to folks and getting people out to the polls to vote in any way possible. Um, in fact, if you're doing anything on that, Candor is working on a campaign, so maybe we can work together. Dope. Yeah, but, uh, definitely. I'm down to collab. Because um, I would love to be able to share the song and, you know, work with some other collaborators and bring you in on that. So that'd be really cool. 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 No, that's perfect. Um, here, here's something for you. Let's, uh, let's wrap it up with a little levity. Um, okay. You know, I, like to, I like to hit you with a quick fire round to see kind of where you feel. And so uh, one of my favorite quick fire round questions uh, to ask DC natives, because you guys are, okay. are, are uh, an anomaly these days is, you know, what are you, what is your, something that you love about DC and one thing that you hate about DC or dislike at this moment? <laughs> um, all right. So I think they're actually going to actually be one in the same. Okay. Um, so what I love about DC um, is the history when it comes to the culture. You know, DC mm -hmm. being the birthplace of, of Go-Go, being really one of the only cities where you can find that, um, you know, the history there with all of these legendary clubs um, and the nightlife. And then the negative side of that is how that's all changing, you know, mm -hmm. like the, the, you know, the death of Live Nightclub, you know, yeah, um, all these major venues, you know, how Howard Theater is kind of on the rocks right now. It's like all these great historical, you know, venues and, and things that, you know, the greats like Miles Davis, John Coltrane, Louis Armstrong, yeah, like man. all these people played there. Like, it's like, it's part of history are sort of like waning. Um, and, and I don't know if that's due necessarily to gentrification or to, you know, people not sort of being aware of the history and the culture or just the scene or, you know what, but it's, it's really a shame too. So it's a, it's a positive and a negative there. 
Yeah, you know, um, I totally feel you on that. Um, you that's actually an answer we get a lot uh, when we ask. You know, it's okay. Like, hey, people love the culture and they love everything about the city, but number one answer of hate is gentrification, and mm-hmm. gentrification is always tied to you know the things that we're losing, and you know, um, gentrification is always one of the things that you know I've been very vocal about on this podcast um, about how it's changing the city. But, you know, these last couple months and just seeing, you know, how some of the tried and true locations that we would just hang out at in the city have just like started to disappear, you know, yeah. from your, I mean, the big ones for me have been, you know, Marvin and the 18th mm. Street Lounge and mm-hmm. uh, Twins Jazz. Uh, we just found out about, you know, the oh, last man. two weeks. So, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting time to be in D.C. and an interesting time to be in the States in general because we just don't know you know, what is, uh, what is to become of everything that we think is normal, everything that we thought of our favorite is kind of changing yeah. right now, um, true, true. which is crazy. Um, so now I have my second, uh, you know, quick fire round question Okay, is, um, you know, a tried and true rapper question. What is the top five, my friend? <laughs> Ooh. Oh, that's, that's tough. Cause I, you know, I have so many that I love. And I feel like, honestly, if you ask me on a different day of the week, I might give you a different answer, but depending on who I've been really been listening to, because I always Uh have my favorite sort of more or less in rotation. Um, All right. Well, I'll say um, I definitely think Biggie. Um, He's who, when I really, when I heard ready to die, that was when I really like was fell fell in love with hip hop and decided like, I wanted to be able to do that. Like, like rhyme like that. Um, His wordplay was just, Un- unmatched okay. um i definitely i think uh eminem um mm-hmm. i'll put Nas in there okay um see this is where it really gets tough <laughs> yeah you only got two more hard. at that point <laughs> um i want to throw in wu-tang okay um and then See, this is this is where it gets tough too, because I I'm a big fan of Rage Against the Machine, and I don't know, you know, if that necessarily mm. qualifies as like a rock band or as a rap group, because it's kind of it's kind of a crotch of the genres. Um, yeah. So I normally would would throw that in, you know, for a little diversity. Um, but I th- I if you allow it, I'll throw them in. I think that's a I think that's an allowable addition. I, okay, I like, cool. I like the wrench uh, that you throw in there with that one, and I was wondering what your wrench would be. <laughs> yeah. So dope. Um, I like that. I'm I'm very much similar to you. Like it really depends on like a day of the week. Yeah. Um, uh, and my favorites is like sometimes I have to be like, uh, I gotta give you like one East Coast, one West Coast, a Midwest, mm-hmm. and a trap rapper, <laughs> and then like yep. a you know a wild card. So uh, I feel it, man. Uh, all right. And then my last question for you is, you know, what are you bumping these days? You know, what uh, music are you listening to uh, that you would recommend to our audience to check out? Um, well, I'm definitely listening to uh, a lot of uh, dope artists who are coming out of the DC area right now. I'm really Ooh, big into yeah. um, Corday, uh, IDK. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's some really cool artists who are really doing it on a big sort of level right now and actually talking about some really cool stuff at the same time. Yeah. Um, so I'm really into that. Um, I love the new Nas album. Um, that was really fire. cool. Um, um that's and then uh, that's more or less what i'm bumping right now um my guy mc bravado just put out a new record um which has a joel ortiz on it which was pretty cool um and i actually got a record coming out uh with mc bravado in a little while um so be on the lookout for that 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm listening to a mix of, you know, like, uh, you know, top 40, sort of what you hear on, you know, shade 45, but also, yeah. you know, a lot of, a lot of artists from the DC area who are sort of on the come up and don't necessarily get that play yet. Um, cause that's, that's what I love is like the unsigned, you know, hungry artist, you know, and yeah, that's where I think you find some of the best content out. Um, it's not necessarily on the top 40 or on the big radio stations, but on the underground. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, and to your point, like DC is definitely on the come up in that regard. Like there's a lot of, you know, underground artists, uh, not just rappers, but R&B acts as well. Yeah. Um, that are, you know, before the quarantine, were like really putting on like some dope intimate shows. Um, and, you know, that's something that I definitely want to see come back and, you know, definitely want to engage with the local uh, music scene a lot more, you know. Yeah, it's, for sure. It's definitely bubbling up here. And, um, you know, DC is, you know, it's always a quiet, always a quiet undercurrent of creative thought that's just like everywhere else they see it but like they don't really yeah. know that it's like dc is kind of a part of it you know oh yeah definitely want to tap into that as much as possible yeah dc definitely has his hands in a lot of a lot of dope genres um and talking about uh underground sort of r&b artists uh shout out to uh allison belong she's actually on dear america yeah um and has was doing a lot of really dope shows she still is doing some um but actually at, at actually she was doing a lot of shows at marvin unfortunately uh before it closed um but she's got a lot of a lot of good uh content and everything coming out too dope that's really dope have you considered doing like anything like virtual in the virtual space right now you know through covid or like a virtual show or like a virtual engagement yeah, so that's something where, um, you know, I'm actually building my um, sort of home uh, performance sort of studio into more of a, um, the ability to do sort of like a virtual live performance. Um, mm -hmm. So that's something that I've been working on. Also, um, you know, my sort of home in Bethesda does have a pretty decent sized backyard. And for my uh, parents, 45th wedding anniversary we actually uh organized uh me and a couple of neighbors organized a uh a little backyard jazz performance um some oh, some of my dad's favorite jazz musicians came out we were actually able to get you know a good 35 you know 40 people you know in the two the front or the side yard and the backyard with the stage sort uh -huh. of in the middle so everyone is sort of socially distanced outdoors yeah. but we're still able to have a good amount of people so actually well, I'm actually sort of floating around the idea of maybe doing a live show um, and being able to do an outdoor sort of social distance show here. So that's something that we're sort of in the works on putting together. That sounds really dope, man. I'd love to check that out. That yeah, for sure, man. That's a, uh, I'm, I'm all for the new ways that like social distancing has like kind of changed uh, just how we're doing certain things, whether it's virtual or just like having to do things with space. Uh, I think one of the coolest things that I saw uh, in this time was like one of the uh, festivals that started music festivals that started in Europe like they had like everyone like in like their little like section sure. <laughs> and, like in like a section stage and like everyone was blocked off or even the driving concerts that you've been seeing like in different cities um, you know throughout the states right now so gotcha. um, I'm all for that stuff you know because um, you know I don't like crowds but I love music <laughs> yeah. and I love concerts yeah. so it's right up my alley, you know, just short of getting a VIP ticket or a VIP like table or something like that. So. Exactly. Well, definitely. Yeah. When we organize, I'll definitely send you an invite, man, for sure. Appreciate it, man. Well, you know, thanks for rapping with me today, uh, Mark. You know, this has been a great conversation, you know, learning about, you know, your music, who you are, your inspiration and, you know, where you're, you're going. You know, I definitely look forward to, you know, hearing more. And, you know, for our audience, I'm actually going to play the song after our podcast. So that we okay. check it out. So um, this will be really dope. But, you know, uh, 
tell us, you know, where they can find more information, where they can, you know, check you out and, you know, what's coming down the line that you want them to know about. Cool. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, you can find me, I'm on social media everywhere. It's at um, M-A-R-C, number two, R-A-Y, that's Mark Ture or www.markturay.com, um, hosted by Candor Labs. Um, and, um, yeah, Dear America, um, is, um, featuring Alison Blanc produced by Godfather recorded, mixed and mastered by Kaylin Naka at district sound lab. So shout out to everyone on board with that project. Um, and my, my management versus entertainment. Um, and you can expect, you know, um, you know, we're going to be, you know, pushing this visual in the same way that we were able to push 1915, get it into as many schools as possible as a, as a tool to educate and empower, um, and then on top of that, um, you can definitely expect um, some new singles coming out um, in the not too distant future as well. Dope, man, dope. Well, we look forward to hearing you know all the new music, um, you know, checking out what you have coming down the line, and you know, in general, just supporting Mark Two Ray in the future. Dope, um, my man. I appreciate it. <laughs> so, uh, dope. Well, with that being said, you know, this has been your boy OG Baca. This has been activated the future of content uh, in Washington D.C., and we will holla at you guys next time. Peace. Peace and love.